Welcome to the Love Good Podcast, where you learn how to love what is good and become what you love so you can change the world. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each episode as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about media, culture, and the art of being human. Love Good is more than a subscription company. We're a movement of artists, patrons, and young people who believe in the power of beauty to change the world. And we're so pumped you're here. What's up, everybody? This is Jimmy Mitchell. I could not be more excited to welcome you to yet another bonus episode of the Love Good Podcast. This week, I'm sitting down with somebody that I just was so humbled by um, on so many levels, okay? This is a man of incredible depth and also reaching the heights of success in the music industry right now. And, you know, I've probably never been quite so excited and nervous in our studio at the same time. And, and that says a lot because we've had Drew Holcomb, Ellie Holcomb. We've had Luke Smallbone for King and Country, Matt Marr, you name it. We've had a lot of amazing artists all the way through Dave Barnes and Matt Wirtz and Chris Allen, people who have won American Idol. But there was something about sitting down with the lead man of Judah and the Lion uh, that just blew me away. So I cannot wait for you to hear this interview. Uh, hang on to the, the very end because actually we're so excited uh, to make a huge announcement that concerns Lovegood, Judah and the Lion, and specifically our patrons. Without further ado, I'll be back in just a few moments with Judah. Sorry I can't do anything at all, so I hung up and called you. I hung up and called you Cause you were the one Welcome to the Love Good Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jimmy Mitchell. Feeling really privileged right now to be sitting down with the front man of Judah and the Lion. How you doing, Judah? What up? Dude, so uh, before we dig in, I just want to start with some would-you-rathers that actually very much pertain to this great city of Nashville, which I think is one of the fastest growing in the country right now. <laughs> let's go. So let's see what happens here. Okay, uh, would you rather never be stuck in traffic again or never again get sick? Never again get sick. Wow. Would you rather there be a perpetual water balloon war going on in Nashville or a perpetual food fight? Water balloon. Nice. Okay. <laughs> Would you prefer a future with underground highways or flying cars? I'm a little, I'm still in the midst of all of our traveling. I'm still a little scared of flying. So I would say the underground. That's good. A uh, little change of subject here. Uh, would you rather have to flatulate loudly once every time you have a serious conversation or have to burp after every kiss. Um, I hate flatulating. There it is. So I would say burping. Okay, I, I wouldn't ask that question mostly, but I figured you could handle it. And I'm married, so I think my wife would. Yeah. She'd be okay with me burping. <laughs> there you go. And uh, this might be the hardest one for you anyways. Um, if you had to give up uh, one of the, the following three genres of music for the rest of your life, which would it be? Folk, rock, or hip-hop? 
Uh, folk. Ooh, I did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I'd love to start there because I, <laughs> I know that um, your band came together in college all playing mostly folk instruments. Is that right? Well, yeah, we, we were actually, uh, what's kind of funny about our story is we were all very new to the folk genre when we met. Um, Nate had just picked up the banjo, our banjo player, and Brian had just picked up the mandolin. Uh, they both came in as guitar majors uh, in the commercial guitar um, uh, major at, at Belmont. And um, I was I was used to kind of playing like in the more like rock um, scene. We all, we all kind of grew up playing in churches and stuff. So it was kind of more like in that style of music. So we were all kind of new to the, the whole folk thing. But um, like Nate, I think Nate was the f- only banjo major at Belmont and then Brian ended up being the only mandolin major so when we met I, I felt really lucky and fortunate to have yeah. met him that's really cool and and actually I think for for a lot of people there's a, a rediscovery of of the power of folk music and the, the power of storytelling I think and this is what really really strikes me there's no lack of depth in your lyrics there's no lack of musicianship uh, in your production, um, and yet you're pushing new boundaries in a really cool way musically. Um, tell us a little bit of this journey, though. We're going to have some listeners out there, uh, not very many, who haven't heard of you, uh, many of whom <laughs> Probably have, a lot. You know, they've caught singles. <laughs> uh, actually, we've got a lot of our patrons who you know, have a vinyl copy of uh, Folk Hop and Roll, the deluxe edition. I suppose my, my question really is, where did this all start, and did you see it coming? Did you see you know, the, the day that you'd one day be playing with Jimmy Kimmel um, or opening up for 21 Pilots. What's this journey been like for you? Yeah, it's, it's actually really funny. Um, I, I, at the time when we started, I was still in the midst of kind of like my baseball quote-unquote career at Belmont. And uh, I was also in the music industry, loved music, um, loved what music can do and the, the beauty, like what you're talking about of music and, and how impactful that could be in the world. And um, but uh, honestly, I, I, I never call it a lack of confidence or insecurity or me just being a jock at the time. I just, I, I never thought like, why would anybody really want to listen to my music? Um, never really felt like a profound singer or, uh, you know, like, you know, I, I thought I had a good voice that people could sing along to, but you know, it wasn't like I was, you know, busting the you know, the crazy range or whatever that a lot of people at Belmont, you know, that you're kind of comparing yourself to at the time, like, like they could. Um, so at the time, you know, when we first started, it actually, I really was pushed by my mom. Um, she was like, you know, you're at the school, of, you know, music. I was in music business at the time, but at Belmont, you know, the beauty of it is you have access to all of these amazing studios that you quickly discover about your junior, senior year. It's like, one more year those studios aren't going to be free they're actually going to be pretty expensive um so i was kind of pushed by her i had all these songs that i was writing just naturally at the time i loved love writing music i love um almost kind of did it for me selfishly just getting stuff out just creatively like an artist would just paint stuff for fun or whatever um but she really pushed me she was like hey like you need to record these you know and so i kind of set out to record this like six song EP just for my mom essentially uh and then when I met Nate and Brian um they you know I, I when we met I it was just a phone call like um I, they didn't know me they knew I was kind of a a baseball dude or whatever um you know but they didn't have anything any clue on like what kind of 
songs I was writing or whatever, I was like, hey, you know, like, I would just like to jam with you just to see, like, I'm trying to record these songs, you know, while it's free, whatever, at Belmont. Um, and after playing with them, we, we met, uh, we had a similar background. Uh, we, we all kind of grew up learning and playing music in church um, in very different different ways. Brian's from Chicago, Nate's from Colorado, and I'm obviously like a small-town Tennessee um, kid from Cookville, Tennessee. Um, but we just really hit it off relationally. And then the, the next hour, we're jamming like in the bell tower. And um, I'll never forget that moment of just like, it just felt like when we played music, it was like we had we had just met, but it was like we had known each other for like a very long time. It was, I know it kind of sounds weird to say, but I, I, I'm, I called my mom um, right after. I'm a very feelings-oriented person. If I, if I have a feeling or if I have a good... Um, like after the first date with my wife, I called my mom, mom and was like, hey, this is over for me. I'm done. Like, this is the one. I'm going to have to convince her to like me, but <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sold. Um, and that was kind of a similar situation with Nate and Brian. I called and I was like, mom, I, I, I wasn't expecting this, but um, these songs, you know, just kind of came to life, you know, with these two guys and these instruments. And uh, they ended up approaching me like quickly after and was like, hey, we should make a band. Um, and that wasn't even on my radar, you know, I was going to call this project Judah. Uh, it was going to be like a solo thing that I just kind of made for my mom. And next thing you know, we were in a band and, you know, we ended up giving our first EP away on noise trade at the time. Um, somehow became like on their popular thing where we, you know, we ended up, I think, giving away like 60,000, 50,000 to 60,000 EPs which that in turn gave us 50,000 emails, which emails at the time, you know, for us are like gold. gold. And um, so we started doing house show tours kind of around the country. And the next thing you know, it's people were really connecting. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that there was, that kind of makes, makes it sound like it was all kind of not planned. Um, but as we kind of got together and um, got to kind of discovering like what actually was in it for us, it was... Um, put our heads down and, and run as hard as we can forward um, from then on. So uh, we've, we've obviously become more goal-oriented now and, um, you know, have more of like a plan and, and direction and a vision. Uh, but at the time, we were just th three dudes just having fun, you know, making music. And it's still – that's still kind of the same heartbeat behind what we're doing. I love it. Uh, just with a little bit more direction. <laughs> that's right. I'll tell you, and, and you're not the only feeling-shifting person in the room right now, I think uh, – that's something I've uh, learned how to trust and even have a, a healthy suspicion of whenever I've got that driving instinct or that driving impulse. A lot of strong emotion in a particular direction can uh, lead to, to great glory and great uh, heartache. Heartache. That's yeah. exactly right. And actually, I think that that connects with a lot of people. You know, um, there's a lot of uh, energy and, and excitement and passion around a first love. Uh, around the beginning of a career, uh, a big decision that someone's made. We've got especially a lot of young people who listen to this podcast who are constantly asking questions about, you know, what does it really mean to, to live life well, to live the good life? Mm -hmm. um, well, I'm curious for you guys, is it still the same magic that it was in the bell tower that night every time you take the stage? I've seen you live three or four times. You look like you're having the time of your lives every single show. <laughs> we we uh, do, right? How do you sustain it? Um, I think, you know... If for us, we we do come alive when we play when we play together, and that hasn't really changed at all. And we get asked a lot, you know, because you know from that point at Belmont to now, you know, we've we've done about 250 shows a year, um, which is a lot of shows. And 
they're, you know, I would say like that some of the, the boring times on the road, you know, um, just naturally, you know, you're just kind of at a venue and maybe you're 20 minutes from town. You don't feel like Ubering and to go to a coffee shop or whatever, like we do. Um, you know, those downtimes, you know, you're kind of like maybe alone or you, you, you it, it, it's so funny how the road can do that. You know, you're, you're with your, your boys, your, your brothers, like we're like brothers now. It's like friends. Yes. But like we're brothers, like we've, we've fought it out. We've laughed it up. You know, we've done life together. We've had experiences, uh, lows and highs and all the things. Um, but there's nothing like getting together before the show, walking out together and then playing, uh, together that, that magic, um, it's still there. And, and I feel like you, you can see that, you know, you can almost like people, um, that even aren't in the music industry, like can see through that. It's like, you, you know, when a band is kind of phoning it in or they, I don't know, they don't have that magic anymore. And I think it's our dream to always, no matter what, um, be good relationally. We, we've only got on stage one time pissed off at each other <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget that show it was in Arkansas Fayetteville we had just gotten in this like band argument right before we were just so mad at each other and, and it's like that quote um uh like a family quote of mine back in Cookville I'm sure it's uh, common here just in Tennessee but it's like never um they never fall asleep while there's still anger or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, anger, the, yeah. the anger, yeah. Um, don't go to sleep in anger, whatever. That's right. And it, that was been kind of our mantra, is like never go to a, on a stage in <laughs> anger. <laughs> and so we've only done it one time where we, <laughs> we were mad at each other. Like I genuinely would look over and we're just like, I'm going to kill you after this yeah. you know, set. Yeah. But uh, that's it. So, I mean, you know, I think that, that magic is, is still very much there and um, very fortunate to have the, the dudes that um, – because we look back all the time, I'm no kind of ranting here, but we look back on, on how stupid it was for us to get in a band with complete strangers. Like we, looking back, like, I mean, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to form a band with somebody I just met. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm so, we're so lucky to have just kind of followed that feeling um, that we had, you know, back in the day. Because now I, I would have been like, there's going to be some a vetting process, yeah. you know, because you're making decisions financially that's affecting your family, that's affecting their family um, now, and you're getting mad at each other. On, you're having to deal with confrontation, and it's just like um, I feel we feel very fortunate to have gotten into this thing almost spontaneously with with a group of guys that are solid. It's amazing. And so, growing up, were most of your heroes baseball stars or rock stars? Bit of both. A little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my my hero, my all time hero is probably John Foreman of Switchfoot. Um, somebody that talk about has like such a strong message and um, kind of blurs the line of uh, faith and the secular or whatever. Um, but has just, you know, even if you don't believe or whatever, like that's somebody that um, you just see the way that he does life. Um, and luckily, we we've become you know friends now and. Uh, it's just somebody like that. Um, it's just really cool to kind of look up to. Just like he's done it his own way. Um, really, all the Switchfoot guys um, ha- have are worthy of being heroes. Um, uh, but yeah, but like Chipper Jones. Yeah, yeah. Um, was like my baseball dude. So there's um, your Atlanta connection right there. Yeah, my Atlanta connection. Uh, you know, Crime Dog was my Fred McGriff. Um, we, we just kind of grew up loving. Loving the Braves, loving the, mm-hmm. yeah, that. I love that you brought up John Foreman, and I think he's 
been a bit of a standard bearer for a lot of us for a long time now. And he's somebody who, I think like you guys in his own time, pushed the envelope and uh, didn't seem to worry too much about what, you know, different um, corners of the industry cared, you know, mm. uh, and, his, and his fans went along with him. But I have to say there, there just still seems to be something so distinct about Judah and the Lion. Uh, enough to where when I first saw you guys, you were opening up for Ben Rector and I thought, who are these guys? <laughs> like, I was like, what is going on right now? Because, uh, yeah, I had never seen anything like it. And I've been to a lot of live music. Was it the Ryman? Know? It was at the Ryman, probably four years ago, you know, four yeah. or five years ago. And then I just, like, kept hearing about you. And before I knew it, you know, uh, all the way up to uh, as recent as New Year's Eve, you know, was down there with a bunch of people uh, to ring in the new year with you guys. So there's something uh, really cool happening. And I, I suppose it's not always easy to talk about, especially when there's a lot of artistry and intuition and, as you put it, even brotherhood involved. Mm. There's other people's lives and other people's livelihoods. Um, are you all married? Uh, me and Brian. Yeah. Our Brian just got married. Cool. Um, so he's been married for about two months. I've been... I'm going on four years this year. Yeah, congrats, man. That brings a whole nother element into the picture. You know, and, and obviously th there was more happening before this, but your your first EP was Sweet Tennessee in 2013. Uh, I think I first came across you guys when the Kids These Days album was, you know, that's probably when you were touring with Ben, right. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Um, then we had the privilege of putting out full cop and roll to all of our Love Good patrons, um, at least the deluxe edition. And I've been wanting um, to ask this question ever since. Um, why Mars? Because uh, there's like a, a lot of moments listening to your music where I'm kind of taken somewhere and it's not like a, a, a sci-fi thriller kind of moment. Mm -hmm. um, there is something existential happening in me, but I'm curious what's what's happening in you um, or what was happening when you wrote that song? The Going to Mars song was a um, very kind of special process for me because um, that, that one and Suit and Jacket specifically took me a long time to write. Yeah. Like take it all... Take it, our song Take It Off Back was written in three minutes. Crazy. Yeah. Like, quick. Um, and, you know, songwriters have these stories all the time where it comes really quick or it comes really, really long. I think Suit, Suit and Jacket was written over the course of, like, three years. Um, and I had this line that I just loved, and I thought it kind of embodied, like, who we were and who we are as a band, like, as a band just, like, pushing for life. Uh, but was like the, you know, don't shoot for the moon when you're going to Mars. Right. And um, obviously spend off the, you know, the quote of, like, shoot for the moon and even if you miss you land amongst the stars it's like well don't shoot for the moon like go go even further than that yeah and the stars um, i'm pretty sure are further away than the moon yeah and yeah. mars anyways and it quote never made sense to me you know <laughs> that's very so, true <laughs> yeah but yeah so I, I had that line for a while and then and finally had i feel like was given kind of the message for it and um we we really wanted to have this like impactful um kind of chant anthemic thing that uh brought almost the crowd made it in our shows whenever we're writing whenever i'm writing songs i can't not think about our show it's um maybe it's a good thing maybe it's a bad thing i don't know but um the show in particular like the song just kind of comes alive because it's like the, the verses are kind of written out of this insecurity that i had um you know i grew up with great parents and that believed in me and um you know that's way more than a lot of people in the world um have and but i even in that in the midst of that, uh, felt so insecure just about so many different things in my life, um, whether it be music or um, being a good husband or um, whatever. And 
this was kind of like I wanted almost like write an anthem over that, just like over these insecurities. Like, no, like I can do anything. I can be, you know, I can be the man that I'm supposed to be. Um, in the midst of those insecurities or whatever, in the midst of those like unbeliefs, um, like I want to believe in this. And so it was kind of like almost like a mantra for me in that time of just like the band was doing way better than what we had ever kind of thought. And then it's kind of funny how <laughs> when things are going really well, sometimes uh, your insecurities or that whatever the pressure or whatever kind of can heighten as well. Um, so this is honestly, it was almost like a selfish mantra for me, just like, no, I'm, I can, I can, and I will. And when, when we sing that, it shows now, it just, it, it, it's like palpable, um, at least for me, uh, that belief, like in the crowd. Yeah. It's an empowering moment for all of us, I think, <laughs> Good. you know, and I think we do live in a, you know, a, a culture where the, uh, the currency is busyness and anxiety and insecurity. It's. And if it is confidence, um, uh, it's not always the healthiest kind, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people who you can tell are are pushing through uh, to make life work, and there's not a lot of freedom in that, and not a lot of joy either. Yeah. Uh, and I, I guess that is, you know, really what, what brings me to some questions about pep talks. I can't help but feel the, the, the energy and the joy and yet be really challenged by the depth uh, and and your vulnerability, you're 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 inviting the listener into your own struggles. How can we live life with vulnerability, with depth, uh, and yet still have like a a childlike joy in the midst of it all? I think it's it's been a it's been a longer process for me. Uh, the um, almost like admitting to myself some of these things that are in this record. Um, here's like a little background to the record. Um, in the midst of kind of traveling a lot over the last, uh, five, I guess, you know, five years, I guess five, six years, I'm horrible with timelines, but five, six years, um, my parents back home, who, like I said, I'm very close with, um, and, you know, I grew up in faith, grew up uh, with great parents, really close with my siblings, really close with my aunts, second cousins, uncles, grandparents, great-grandparents, blah, 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 really, really fortunate upbringing, um, but in the last, like, five years, uh, you know, my parents were just kind of honestly just kind of ruining, uh, or not ruining, but definitely like imploding. Uh, their lives were kind of um, getting out of control, and um, wh- whether it be through addiction or affairs or whatever, um, it kind of culminated to this divorce. And, you know, as a 25 year old at the time, I, and I know that's what it's like pretty cliche to say, but like as a 25 year old, I was like, I'd never imagine my parents being the ones to, you know, to get divorced. And, um, that's even maybe sounds selfish to say, but it's just, it's true. It's like, it's just where I was at. I, had, um, a great, like I said, great parents, very solid growing up. Um, and then over the last five years where that's traveling, uh, seeing, seeing it kind of explode was just really rough, uh, for, for us kids and for, me to kind of experience and um in in a way like you know the roles kind of shift uh you know like we became the parents in in some sort of way Mm -hmm. during that season and um that was hard and I'm such a fixer too like if um something's not going right or like I I usually am maybe pride myself on like I know how to fix this or whatever and and I like control and when it's out of my control or out of my hands it's, it's usually when I get a little bit um, 
angry or I don't really know what to do. Um, mm. So a lot of the context of the record, especially the the, um, the first half of the story, is is a lot of my individual pain that's kind of come from the divorce, come from uh, my mom, you know, struggling with alcoholism, um, you know, getting in a fight with my dad, um, these all these things. But in the midst of being on the road and being a performer and actually being a, I'm a pretty optimistic person uh, in general. That's not fake. It's like, it's real. But it, it, during that time, I didn't really feel optimistic all the time. And I was pissed off at my parents. And, um, but you would still have to go into radio interviews on the road and you'd still have to go to meet and greets and have a smile on your face. And, um, you know, in the midst of that, was just kind of like it was just hard. It's really lonely. It's like you know, you'd be in a radio interview and uh, you'd be cutting it up and laughing or whatever internally, but internally, what's going on is just like I'm dying inside, and um, I am having like struggling with anxiety. Like I, I have, I haven't really dealt with a lot in my life. I was struggling with bats of like probably depression and and sadness and um, you know, becoming like almost codependent on things that were never like just just distracting me from feeling what I was wanting to feel um so a lot of these a lot of this record is kind of stems from that pain and the the, almost like the loneliness and the anguish that I'd felt um but the story the story of the record is is hope you know I feel like in the midst of the lowest of lows um you know hope becomes like the strongest in those moments to me because you kind of have to have the the pain and like the the reality of the pain to really understand what hope is Mm. um and so this record that's what we're kind of wanting to point people to you know i I think one of my not beefs with generation this generation of artists but one of my um i I don't know like one of my struggles sometimes is it feels like a lot of people like to kind of linger in the anxiety or linger in the pain or whatever like Nashville this year I I caught myself a lot and I know this is scientific as well so I'm not um bashing this but within me I was like oh I'm just so sad all the time it's so rainy here all the time you know the winter was horrible here in Nashville uh but as I I caught myself saying that more and more the sadder I would feel um and so you know the power of words or whatever but I was just like man I'm gonna stop saying I'm getting sad because of the weather because of the sun um and I really did start to feel myself getting happier, even in the midst of it being cloudy or rainy all the time here. Um, but we wanted to make a record that didn't linger in the the pain or in the anxiety. We wanted to point people to hope. And at the end of the day, like, there were times in my life that I didn't want to get up. I kind of wanted to stay in the pit, if you will, um, and kind of linger in there. But, like, at the end of the day, it's like we all have a choice to get up mm-hmm. and move forward. Um, and with our listen, like with our listeners too, like we have a lot of people that come up to us and talk about like really struggling with depression and suicidal thoughts and, uh, self-harm and, uh, all this stuff that you can't imagine these like 15 year old kids experiencing. It's just like, it, and it sucks as, uh, you know, somebody that is impacted by their story and somehow our music's affecting them, but it's like how would you ever feel that way you know um and so with this record we were like no matter if you are in a season of feeling that way or whatever you you have a reason to move forward Mm. um so that's kind of the the story um i love that if you can learn how to suffer well 
you'll expand your capacity for hope over time. Mm. You know, I think that's powerfully communicated uh, on this record. Do you have a favorite song right now? That's probably an impossible question. Uh, I think I'm okay is one that I really resonate with. Um, you know, I, I, my, my aunt, um, in the midst of all this, my aunt, uh, overdosed on Ambien and, um, it was just this like moment of just like everything is kind of going wrong. It's like my parents and then, um, uh, like, like having my aunt who I'm also very close with just kind of like suddenly it's like get a call and it's like she's she's gone and then it's like you know when it rains it pours and um I had this moment with my counselor um and I was kind of telling him the story and and uh, he said this quote he's he's very he loves poems and he said uh, one of my favorite poems says this it's like behind every peaceful underneath every peaceful current there's a strong undertow Mm. um and he was like, you just, you told me this whole story, but you haven't like, you haven't really been emotional about it at all. Mm. Like you haven't cried or you haven't like gotten angry. Um, and when he said that quote to me, I was just like, I just realized that I was kind of BSing my counselor yeah. <laughs> in the midst of it. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm good. I'm okay. It's like, no, I'm not. Um, and so that, that one's got a very special kind of place in my heart it kind of has that emotion um yeah. that i that i kind of felt but it's it's always kind of like picking out your favorite baby i don't yeah i don't i don't have babies yet but i would imagine i have nephews and nieces it would be hard for me to pick out my favorite nephew <laughs> or niece uh i think all all these songs even even though it's 17 songs you know we grew up and I'm, maybe you're like this too but we grew up loving to go buy records mm-hmm. bodies of work you know not just the singles that sound good on the radio or whatever we, we loved bodies of work that would just um you it would just enthrall you for the next six months or whatever how long you listen to it um and so we we selfishly we just wanted to make a record that was a complete record obviously you know has the singles or whatever that you kind of need to push forward in this environment this musical environment but um, this is a body of work that we're really, really proud of, and we want people to listen to the whole thing. I get it's kind of a long, long um, listen for some people, but we're really proud of each, each song. Yeah, we've lost that. The album as a work of art mm-hmm. and as a story from start to finish. I think Mumford & Sons does it best. Never heard uh, of them. Yeah, I know, I know. But start to finish, man, uh, That's I think that's exactly what gets me fired up about this project because I think I'm going to be listening to it for a long, long time, and it's not going to get old. And actually, even just after this conversation, Judah, I, I know there's so much more going on than what I can even read uh, in the blogosphere, hear on other podcasts, and uh, even catch in between songs when you're playing live. So I, I just want to say you know, a massive thanks on behalf of our patrons, our listeners, the young people who are alongside us. There's a great need for your art and for your artistry and for the hope that's communicated even through suffering. I mean, on this album, you give people permission, I think, uh, to suffer well Mm. and to have hope and, you know, to consider uh, that there is such a thing as righteous anger and there Mm. is such a need uh, in every heart to grieve and to be sad, um, lest our hearts shut down, um, Mm. but to not linger in it, as as you said, and to move forward constantly with hope. Uh, massive thanks. This has been a total privilege. I wish we could go on for another half an hour. Yeah. If I could leave a, a scripture that I, I constantly was thinking about during this time was um, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. 
Um, and that's so true for any human. I don't care if you believe or if you don't. Um, if you don't have hope, then you can almost start to feel it in your in your heart, in your body. Um, so hope's a good thing. It is. We need pathways forward constantly. All right, Judah, until next time, thank you so much. Thanks so much, Jimmy. All right, all right. So you can imagine how incredibly privileged I feel at the end of conversations like this, okay? Uh, It's a privilege on your behalf to sit down and ask these tough questions, to have these meaningful conversations. I do it with you, our listener, very much in mind. And in some cases, we've had patrons who have sent me questions far in advance because they know sometimes who I'm you know, sitting down with, and uh, it's a great joy to be able to ask them even your questions and to dig into really what's going on behind the scenes in the hearts of so many of these artists and thought leaders. And obviously it's a great joy to invite them more deeply into our movement as well. So you can imagine how excited I am to now make this very special announcement that for months we have been staging a behind the scenes partnership with Judah and the Lion. And what that means is that when their brand new album, 17 Tracks, called Pep Talks, releases on Friday, May 3rd. You're going to be one of the very first to get it if you're a Love Good patron. Okay, so if you're not yet a patron, this is yet another amazing opportunity to get on board. Go to lovegoodculture.com slash Judah. You can sign up all the way uh, from $10 to $50 a month in exchange for all the incredible music, books, vinyl, coffee, commissioned artwork that we send out in our seasonal packages. But if you do so before May 3rd, you're going to immediately get the Judah and the Lion uh, brand new album download the morning it releases. You're then going to get a welcome package in the mail within a matter of days. And then you're also going to be teed up to get the June package, which at certain levels includes autographed copies of Pep Talks from Judah and the Lion. And for those of you who are already patrons, this is an amazing opportunity to refer a friend for free and then get a $25 credit to your account. So this is an amazing opportunity. We're just so excited to be rallying around Judah and the Lion right now. We love you guys. Hope you're having an amazing spring. We'll see you sooner than later. Peace. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. Tell your friends all about us. Stay in touch on social media and be sure to stop by iTunes or Stitcher to give us a review. You can join our movement today by subscribing as a patron at lovegoodculture.com. Start enjoying our seasonal packages that will raise your standard for media and inspire you to build a better culture. We can't wait to accompany you as you change the world.